Hello, and thank you for listening to Radio Radar Plus. This is episode 32 for Friday, January 8th. This is us after our holiday break. Um, so we don't really remember how this thing goes usually. I think I say something like, my name's Ludwig Kitzman, I'm the host, US Editor in Chief, blah, 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 gamesradar.com. Uh, did you know that GamesRadar is actually the original Facebook that only cool people know about? It's not I true. I did. That's not true. No, it's totally true. It's no, the original yeah, it's Friendster. It's the, oh, God, Friendster. <laughs> wow. There you go. <laughs> and as you can hear, I'm joined by Anthony John Agnello, Senior Social Editor for GamesRadar. Hello. And Managing Editor, Susan Arndt. I am also here with my voice. Uh, also, this may be a little late to point this out, but if you already started listening, you're just going to have to deal with the consequences. This podcast actually costs $599. <laughs> Which you can pre-order now. I know, I know everybody that we ballparked it at three hundred and fifty dollars a podcast, but, but it's uh, obscenely cheap at this price. <laughs> guys, like out of curiosity, has Palmer Lucky flat out at this point said you'll want to work two jobs to get an Oculus? <laughs> Look, here's okay. Here's the thing. He's not wrong. No. To say, I mean, he's probably not wrong. I don't know all the all the numbers, but he's he's more than likely not wrong that the tech that that is a a very fair and indeed good price for the tech that you're getting at this stage in its life cycle. I don't think he's wrong about that. Oh my God! Don't say that out loud. Don't say it out loud. Don't Just don't don't tell people that something that costs six hundred dollars is obscenely cheap. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't do it. Yeah, right. ill-advised ill all around. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's tough because, like, so in case you don't know what we're talking about, the Oculus Rift has officially been priced at $599, 600 bucks. Let's just call it 600 bucks. Yeah, let's just do that. And, uh, you know, it's coming out uh, in March. Um, although if you order now, you're probably un- you're not going to get it until probably May or June at this point because they're kind of uh, not manufacturing them in huge quantities yet. Um, and... A lot of people are reacting negatively to $600, as you might expect, because objectively $600 is a butt-ton of money. That's a lot of money. And, uh, you know, you, you also need a good PC. It's not just something that yeah. you buy and plug in and there you go. You yeah. also need a decent PC, so you can use their website to check that you are, um, you know, well-equipped to actually run the Oculus once you have it. Um, I don't think that's a huge issue for super enthusiast gamers. Like, I think... Yeah. They will spend more money than six hundred dollars on a you know a really good monitor like uh, something that has adaptive refresh rate and stuff like that, or they'll buy they'll spend a thousand dollars on a graphics card. You can buy a thousand dollar graphics card. So all this stuff, this is the this is the good audience to start with. But I think the main problem here is Oculus didn't do a good enough job to prepare us for the price. Like even. Like because we don't, we genuinely did not know what you should be asking for something like this because nobody has released right. a VR headset yeah. like this. They've released, you know, Sony has a personal entertainment headset that you watch movies on. They released that a couple of a couple of years ago, but we don't know what to expect. And you need they needed to do a better job of building those expectations because they're the first one, like they're I, for the I, first one yeah. out the gate. Uh, this is this is uh, in addition to preparing people for that price. I think that Oculus has done very, very, very little in since the acquisition by Facebook to properly communicate to people why this technology is going to matter to anyone that isn't like already part of either like the hardcore 
like software community. Like in if you are not just like a like hardcore gamer or like like cinephiles are really excited about Oculus and people who are really into the like performance arts are really excited about Oculus and people in uh you know uh experimental education are really excited about Oculus but like the average person who you are going to need not in March or June to give a damn about this thing but like in a year to give a damn about this thing I don't what has Oculus done at all to educate people on why they should give any kind of hoot about this this very expensive thing this is a thing it will not sell I mean there's a lot of Roblox to to mainstream uh acceptance people are going to actually have to they're going to have to have demo units in best buy in walmart you're going to have to actually stick it on your head and try it because when when air quote vr came out you know in the 90s and the 2000s and you could you could spend like five bucks to play one in the arcade it was terrible. It wasn't really <laughs> VR. No. It was, you have a helmet on and they've stuck a screen in front of your face. It, it was not good. And so, understandably, a lot of people who hear VR now think that's what they're getting. Now, I've, I've tried Oculus. I've tried uh, PlayStation VR. I have not tried Vive yet. They're legit. They mm-hmm. are legit experiences. They're super cool. I 100% believe that they will offer experiences, uh, gaming, movie, educational experiences that cannot be had now in any other entertainment format. I 100% believe that. But I believe that because I've had the damn things on my head. Right. Otherwise, I was like, yeah, you're, you're selling me a bill of goods. Why? Because they, uh, this is so new. Yeah. There's no, there isn't the trust there. You know, like at this point, you know, you've played an Xbox, you've played a PlayStation. If they come out with a new one, you have a bunch of information to base your decision on. Mm-hmm. There's stuff that's come before it. Not true in this case. Yeah, and the price seems ex- especially exorbitant if you don't know, if you like VR. And a lot yeah. of, lots of people don't. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're interested by the idea, but they don't really know what it's like to use it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, do I like it? I don't know. But $600 makes me think maybe I don't like it. Yeah. You guys, yeah I don't like it $600 worth. Yeah, have exactly. You, have you guys seen, you know, the 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 rumblings on uh, the Twitters and whatnot of people being like, well, if Apple put this out and it was $600, nobody would bat an eye. And, and okay, fine. But even the worst crap from Apple, like the Apple Watch, a product that I really don't understand. It's like if Dick Tracy just was like going insane and we were watching it happen. That's what that device is to me. But like, it does like multiple three things. three people get that joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Susan, our, our, rich, our rich and robust community of people that grew up in the <laughs> 1920s totally grabbed that Dick Tracy <laughs> reference. Uh, but like, like, all of Apple's products, like an iPad is $600, but an iPad does many different things. And it's unclear to most people what these, you know, VR headsets, whether it's, you know, uh, Oculus or something that's a little bit less, uh, you know, technically advanced, like Pia, the PlayStation VR, like, the proposition is not 100% clear to anyone what its use is. Right. Like, you know, yes, you can play video games on it, 
what kind of video games uh, is still very much up in the air. Like, there are are real games. Like, all of the things that PlayStation has shown off, whether it's the, the robots golfing thing or it's the... The game made by the Tekken guy, where you sit next to a teenage girl and she whispers to you. That's a what? real game. I'm not making that up. Of course that's, that's, that's a, a real, real game. That's of a real game. That's a it's real an game. educational game. You're yeah. tutoring that girl. You tutor her. And <laughs> about they get what? About life. Wait, is that a mansplaining game? It's a mansplaining <laughs> game. Oh my god, it's a mansplaining game. game. It's a VR yeah. mansplaining game. Yeah, it's VR <laughs> mansplaining. Here's the thing. <laughs> to your point, when Apple came out with the iPad... <clears throat> I had no idea why I would want such a thing. Oh, really? See, I got yeah, the like I, it, I got the iPad immediately. I got. That. See, I was like, okay, I I have mentally portable. I have portable gaming devices that I've been perfectly happy with. Uh, I have a computer at work. I have a laptop at home. Why do I need this thing? And it wasn't for several years, right? Of a them getting more uh, software for it, and you know, improving it and making it easier to grasp how this thing could be useful in my life that I finally got it and got one. And now, yeah. you know, I have one with me basically mm-hmm. at all times. And I, I guess it's the same deal. But like, I, like you could at least see like the commercial implementation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you could sit there and be like, oh, well, you know, like all of a sudden having this at, you know, and like for, for the three of us, people who go to things like PAX, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, you put this machine at a booth where people are doing a high number of, like, monetary transactions with credit cards. Oh, yeah. that's so much better than yeah, a yeah, laptop, totally. than, than a traditional credit card machine. That makes sense. Like I, yeah. like, I can see the utility there. And I remember the three of us talking about when the Facebook acquisition happened. We were talking about, like, of course they want it because of the a- educational applications of Oculus. Like using this as a thing that schools use, that museums yeah. use, that, that is yeah. experiential in public, not in the home. Well, it makes right. a big difference to, make, to, to have it feel like, and, and you see this in the multiplayer demos that they do with Oculus stuff, to make it feel like someone is in the room with you, even right. though they're not there, they could be remote. That is, that is very interesting to me. That, that, is, that, is, that is a cool hook. teaching tool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's funny, uh, the... Oculus has actually been doing a really good job of the in-person demos to the point where it's like it doesn't really match up to how they've been uh, portraying themselves online, I would say. Like mm-hmm. when you when you do the most recent demo that I did was for the Oculus Touch controller and the person that was sort of like helping me put on the headset and like guiding me through the demos, various intricacies and trying out things and playing the games. The person was so well spoken and so like understanding and gentle and charismatic mm. Uh it was kind of unusual to me. It's like, I asked what his name was and he didn't want to give me his name. He just said, like, you know, I'm just like, I'm a brand representative. And I looked this person up and he was like a model that they had hired to do this stuff. So like, they're very sensitive about removing the, any kind of barrier that you might think is there. Like, you know, like any feeling of inconvenience. And that is why I think Apple wouldn't put this product out. Apple wouldn't, put out a VR headset because it it's not to the point where you can just plug it in and use it exactly and yeah. go exactly. with it right like it's still yeah. it's still a little too not to say I mean when I say complex I don't mean to say that you know it, they think people are too dumb to use it I'm just it, saying it's, like, it, it's PC versus right. Apple it's like Apple you plug it in it works yeah you have to be willing to put up with certain things yeah before you can really enjoy your VR headset like Correct. it's not there yet but 
um, you know, we were talking about the iPad. It's not even necessarily about needing. Like, I think because it's software driven, we always think of like, what problem is it solving? But like, sometimes it's just nice to have, right? Like, sometimes it's just nice to have oh, for sure. an iPad on the couch. Uh, I think. The, the problem with VR right now is like there's some people are comfortable enough with the way that they are entertained by their current devices. Yeah. And VR in comparison seems cool, but uncomfortable because <clears throat> it's the thing that you wear. Right. Like, so, so that's inconvenient. That is the thing that, yeah. that gets me. And, and like, like, can this is the question. And I've asked I, I, you guys, I, I, I know I sound like a broken record because I've been repeating the same thing for almost two years now. And you guys have to hear it every single time. Plus, you are the gramophone of. Uh, <clears throat> yes, I am. I am the ga- gramophone of gamers. <laughs> I am the Edison cylinder of games journalists. Oh, nice. Uh, but like saying that is why you're the gramophone. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the video game podcast. That's my old timey singing. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the the thing I ask everybody who is always like, I'm very very excited about Oculus. I'm, I got a DK. I, I got my dev kit too, and I, I I'm so excited about it. And I always ask them the same question: How long do you use it for? Yeah. Yeah. How long do you have it on your head? Because every single time somebody says, this is the future of gaming, this is the game changer, this is the moment that, like, you know, we open up these new avenues, I call bullshit. Because look at the runaway bananas sales success of Fallout 4 this past Mm -hmm. fall. And you tell me how many people are going to be willing to pair these experiences together into one. Are you going to sit there and spend 10 hours on a Saturday building your encampment inside of headphones and some bananas, like, you know, headset that just completely closes you off from the world? Like, I imagine that appeals to some people, and even I think that would be cool once or twice, but nothing about that is convenient. Nothing about that is accessible here's, in the way here's that the successful entertainment is. In order for this to become accepted by the mainstream, and I mean VR in general, not just the Oculus, you need to be able to put it on and take it off as easily as you can a baseball cap, mm-hmm. and it has to be wireless. Yes, immediately. And, and, that, sh- and that is just a fact. <clears throat> but I think something we have to consider is the fact that this may never need to be yeah. widely accepted by the yeah. public. I of mean, the, the opportunities afforded by... Uh, you know, educationally or in museums or, you know, being able to give, uh, you know, inner city students the experience of swimming through the ocean or, you know, exploring the ocean floor or or something like that, I think is phenomenal and amazing and wonderful. Being, you know, going to the British Museum and and putting on one of these headsets and walking through ancient Egypt. Awesome. I love it. Or maybe it'll just be a fixture of the pornography industry. (laughs) Oh my God. It goes so well. it, no, seriously. I mean, we laugh at it because ha ha porn. But there's there's an, an I environment. Try it. You well, you want it? 
you want it to be private, right? Like you don't necessarily right. want it yeah. on the living room TV. You're not going to be using it for that long. <laughs> all, right. All, right. all right. And it's got really high profit Excuse margin. me. I ain't planning on using it at least for a f- solid hour. Here's, here's, <laughs> if not longer. Here's why I laugh. Here's why I laugh. Not because haha sex, <laughs> but because I sit there and I, I was, and like Susan, yes, it always goes back to nerve. It always I, <clears throat> I was working at a sex magazine when <laughs> Blu-ray became a phenomenon and HD recording became a phenomenon and the porn industry was a nightmare for like two or three years because they were like, this is amazing, high definition, people are going to be all about this. And then they actually started shooting pornography in high definition digital and they were like, oh no, this is... <laughs> This isn't good this is at too all. Detailed. Yeah, no. This is bad, and I can't wait. I can't wait for the first time. Vivid Video pulls out their The Force Awakens parody in a <laughs> VR format, <laughs> and they're like, Finn and Ray have landed on Jack U uh, with hyphen, <laughs> and somebody puts on their Oculus and just starts vomiting, just starts throwing up. Because this is not what you're supposed to see in life. I love the idea of IMAX being used for <laughs> pornography because apparently those cameras are notoriously huge and loud. And just <laughs> oh, picturing hilarious. that like inside a shitty hotel room is amazing. Yeah, wait, that's wait, wait. Awesome. I have a question. Are there 3D porn movies? Yes. Yes. Okay, yep. good. Because <laughs> Why do we answer that so quickly? <laughs> I love that you both know that. Uh, let me look it up. Uh, let, uh, let me Google it. Yes. Because uh, there would have to be, right? Mm-hmm. But, you, but can you picture that setup? Like you're, you know, trying to film what's happening and it's like the big massive 3D camera? <laughs> shot, shot in Panavision 70 millimeter. <laughs> Amazing tour of the worst hotels in the San Fernando Valley. But uh, here's an interesting historical point. A major turning point in the history of pornography, video pornography, is videotape. The, yeah, exactly. Making it smaller because, and cheaper. Yeah, because here's, here's a fun fact, audience, if you didn't know this. Porn used to be shown in movie theaters, and the general audience would just go watch it like they were watching, you know, train Whatever. wreck. Or, right. yeah, like ladies would go shopping, and then they would go watch porn. Yeah. And this like, was just normal. And it was a big deal. Like, like the original, like... Deep Throat, the the, yeah. the the original big budget pornography movie, like dignitaries went to screenings of oh, this. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the governor of California booked a special screening of this. This was a thing that people used to do. But the yeah. moment it became big industry was the yeah. moment they made it smaller and cheaper. And like to bring this back to VR, it's why right. I think like PlayStation VR is going to be immediately more successful than Oculus. And and it has nothing to do with like the quality of the two different products. It's the fact that Sony's, by the nature of the very machine that it needs to be paired with, is going to require the technology to be cheaper. Yep. It's going to be right. cheaper and easier to and use. And there you have the one like one of the few examples I would say where the closed platform oh, yeah. gives you a really big advantage. A big yeah. advantage. It's the it's it is remarkable to see the exact same strategy that made the original PlayStation a success being applied to VR. Right. Because, like, I mean, so, but, like, I think you can, right now, even now, you can say definitively the experiences for VR 
on Oculus and PC will be better. There will be more of Correct. them. There will be of weirder. There will be more interesting. Correct. More groundbreaking. But PlayStation VR is the thing that you just plug into your PlayStation. Even if there is like a, a processing box or something, you just plug it in. You put it on your head. And, yep. and the, the, the construction quality of the hardware that I've used so far is really, really good. Oh, yeah. It's so comfortable. Like, I mean, Sony is a, is a hardware company. Like, they know how to make these things. <laughs> and uh, there you go. Like, you just, you just, you go. I, d- I think it's, it's uh, cool for Oculus to include a controller and, uh, and headphones mm-hmm. because those are, like, pretty cool parts of, of the VR experience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Again, you go to, to things like you need four USB ports. Like, nobody wants to hear that. Well, the yeah. other thing about PlayStation VR, you probably already have headphones for your mm-hmm. PlayStation 4, and I know you have a controller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's a, a, another big advantage there. But my, my point about mentioning the videotape with porn, when you consider how people are, that the, the change to videotape was an indication of how consumers were changing the way they wanted to consume content Mm, mm. as opposed to going to the movies as wanting the convenience of having it right in their own home. This could take great advantage of the current shift we are seeing in how people want to consume content Mm. and Mm. nothing going to make you money like porn. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Especially if it's made by the guy who, who directed Tekken and it's about and it's a, being it's a, girl a creepy whispering. tutor. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, also worth mentioning that most analysis that you'll read now could compl- be completely wrong. Because yeah. I, I always think back on like how right after, right before they announced the, the current wave of consoles, people were like, well, this is, consoles are over. Nobody's right. going gonna to buy a, a gaming machine yeah, for the I, living room. I, I, and I it's just, like, how, how many PS4s have been sold yeah, now? 35 yeah. million? Yeah. But like, th- this is why... Everybody who said the age of the console is dead and all everybody who was like steam machines are going to be the biggest thing in 2014. No way. Steam machines are going to be the biggest thing in 2015. No way. Steam machines are. No. Whatever is cheapest and most convenient will always win. Yeah, plus the console changed. Like, the console as it was doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah. 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 Like, Like, it's now the Netflix machine, too. And, like, you know, mm -hmm. you rent movies on it, all this kind of stuff. Like, you need. It doesn't matter how wonderful the pre-built PC you purchase is. It will always be more complicated to use and set up and access information on it than it is on a console. That's, that's, I mean, unless the console is a launch Xbox One, because getting that to do anything was very confusing. But even then, like, a, a, a PC requires you to jump through hoops mm-hmm. that... Like, and like, they're not, they're not big, like, they're not super tiny hoops that are hard to get through, but they are hoops nonetheless. And so the console is successful. And Oculus, <laughs> Oculus has, f- you need four USB ports. That's yeah. the kind of hurdle that a consumer is not going to look past. I think PlayStation also has it a little easier because for Oculus is, they're the guys who have to make VR happen, right? Yeah. Like, that's, right, that's right. the thing. They're trying to make this thing happen. For Sony, it's more about, we want you to get this thing so you can play some other kinds of games. Yeah. Like it's, they're very much like, we want this to help the PlayStation succeed, which means that we want this as a almost purely games driven peripheral. And you can already see it now. Like the games that they've announced are like, Oh, I'll play that. That seems cool. That's a, that's a, that's a quote real video game. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's, it's, it's 
very much feels part of the PlayStation DNA, which I think will yeah. make it more appealing as well. All they really need to do right now, I think, uh, is announce a, a price that's cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would I would expect four hundred bucks. That's like, exactly what slightly more expensive guys, than you guys, a PS4. You, you guys are going four hundred. Yeah. It's it's uh, either going to be two ninety nine or three ninety nine. Two ninety nine, baby. Two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah, because I I think I think that they will be able to hit two ninety nine because it won't include a controller and it won't right. include a headset. I think it depends on what what they want from it. Like, do they want like fifty percent of PS four players to have this, or yeah, do they, I think they are they no. are they satisfied with twenty percent? No, like, I think they want to move product. I yeah, think they, they want to move, move it. They want to help distinguish themselves. They want to increase that gap <clears> between <throat> them and Xbox. Uh, it's a hearts and minds kind yeah. of thing. They want to be cool and different and interesting. And you can, I mean, the, the E3 uh, press conference writes itself. Yeah. That moment where they, you know, they come out and they say, and it's two ninety nine, and the crowd goes wild. You right. can already see it. Yeah. And like, and they even... If they can afford it. If the, they can afford it. The yeah. messaging that you see at PlayStation Experience in 2014 shows a confidence that you've never really seen before with any of the add-ons that they've made for the PlayStations. Like, this is not like when they made the PSI for PlayStation 2, and it's not like when they made the move, where it was just like, yeah, here's this thing, and here are these cute little nuggets that we're gonna make for them, and maybe you'll check it out at some point. Here's Wonderbook. Here's iPad. Like, that's not happening this time. Here's a new Invisimals game. Oh, bless. Yeah. They're like Actually, I think Invisimals is really popular for some reason. Oh, is it? I mean, yeah. it works really. They made well. like a billion games. Oh no, uh, the, it, you're you're thinking of the PSP version, which was like right. big in Japan. Oh yeah, that's thing. that's what I was. Yeah. Uh yeah, but like this is like, hey guys, we made res for your brain. Oh shit! Yeah. Like, hey, we're making another Psychonauts. Hey, we're making a like this insane looking competitive arena shooter thing that game is so good rigs it's awesome it's a great game cool as hell like super cool yeah yeah. i just here's here's an idea i want to put in your head pt on playstation vr right i'm convinced that kojima's first game is going to be a psvr game i am as well yeah um and hopefully they can get del toro back in on that stuff uh what i wanted to say was like you you mentioned psychonauts uh and so they've got they've got Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Ruin. That's a PlayStation mm-hmm. VR exclusive game that will set up the events of Psychonauts Two, mm-hmm. which uh, just recently I think it was yesterday uh, yes. completed its funding. Um, it earned three point three million dollars, mm-hmm. which is a number that they chose as a throwback to what they ended up getting for Double Fine Adventure, which became Broken Age. They asked for $400,000 for that game, but they ended up getting $3.3 million. Um, and they just about made $3.3 million within, I think they had, there were five days left on the clock yeah, for so Psychonauts it was, 2. It was just about a month? And, yes. And so the other thing about uh, Psychonauts 2, I, well, you can actually see it right now, is Double Fine is, is being a little more careful with how they communicate sort of what you, what you are paying for exactly mm-hmm. in Psychonauts 2. Well, obviously, we don't really... We're not seeing the game take shape yet, but we do know the 3.3 million is just part of what is uh, being going into the game. The other money is coming from Double Fine itself, which has actually uh, been a little more successful once they sort of did things like putting Brutal Legend on PC and putting that on Humble Bundle sales and things like that. And then there's another partner, which we don't know yet, uh, that's also 
uh, giving money to the game, and it's in total, it's going to be about ten to thirteen million dollars. So, not there's a lot of money to work with, and 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 hopefully we get a game that's roughly in the same kind of shape as the first game is. And uh, I think it's really cool to see Psychonauts two happening. Mm-hmm. I, well, I'm, okay. I'm more excited by this one. This is this is my Shenmue three. <laughs> okay, here when we say when we say similar shape to the first one, similar shape to the first one spiritually, right. like. The first one has amazing characters, great writing, really clever ideas. It has one of the greatest levels in video game history. Also has one of the worst levels in video game history. (laughs) But from a very strict gameplay point of view, it's only mediocre. Like the controls, the controls are not great. what, What about the hub world? You got in that litany of things that are amazing because that camp. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. of the best hubs I ever in a 3D agree. platformer. 100% completely agree. Like, as innovative as the ideas uh, are, like Lungfishopolis, incredible. Even though I loathe the Meat Circus as a level, from a, a storytelling perspective, it's actually really great. Mm. But just the, mechanically... It's not a great game, so let's I, tune I kind that of up. agree with you on that. Like, I think I I would expect it to be modernized or at least yeah. be on par with three D movement in other games. Like, yeah. I, would, I, I but I totally agree with you. I definitely you could feel that when you played the first game for sure. Yeah, because um, it was it wasn't development for a long time as well, and it was originally going to be, I think it briefly was an Xbox original Xbox exclusive. It, right? Microsoft was going to publish it. Yeah. yeah, it was it was one of the first big ones that. Um, God, who's the guy that preceded JLRD? As as the head of the whole exp- never mind, it's not important. Yeah, but that was Bach? that was one of his babies. Was was bringing on Tim Schafer's new studio's first big game, and they they had the very first trailer they showed for it was the um, the Spanish painter, his his oh. level that's all neon. Oh yeah, that would be yeah, yeah, like yeah. Velvet Black Velvetopia. Art. Black Velvetopia, and like everybody was like, "What the hell is this game going to be?" I, you know, this is uh, it's it actually ties back to Oculus. Psychonauts was not a game you got until you played it. Yeah, mm. yep. it was very, very, very hard to sell because it's a very confusing game until you play it, and then you get it immediately, and then you understand why it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but somewhere along the way, we just stopped making. Uh, colorful 3D platformers as well. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad to see that represented to some degree. <laughs> Do you almost wish that they were like, we've raised the money and we're going to use this money to hire Insomniac to actually build the game out of our art and writing. <laughs> oh my, if, so if it was Psychonauts and it played like Ratchet and Clank? Exactly. Oh my oh god. My goodness. That's, oh, that's oh the man. dream. That's the dream. You that want the Ratchet and Clank smooth. game, by the way, is rad as hell. It looks super fun! Why aren't more people excited about this? Why? Like, why? It's just like Ratchet and Clank is like mac and cheese at this point. It's it, like yeah, it's a comforting thing. You just want it. You'll get it, but you don't like get super excited by mac and well, cheese. Okay, first of all, then you're not eating the right mac and cheese. <laughs> right. But fair, I, I would actually point. say it's it's more like <clears throat> Spyro the Dragon after Insomniac sold it. Mm. They were yeah. serviceable, you know. They were they were reliable, but it. There, that spark mm. was not there mm. anymore. And, you know, I 
Ratchet, the, the Ratchet and Clank games, uh, and there's a lot of them at this <clears> point. Yeah. Well, I think they only got good once they hit PS3, to be fair. Okay. That's my, that's, that's, that's where I got on board in a big way. Okay. Okay. I, I think that. I think that's part, actually part of the problem. There's they hired just so many of point. them. <laughs> yeah. There's just so many of them, and they're not super distinct from each other. Yeah. yeah. Well, so the movie looks pretty good. The, the movie, movie looks good. pretty good. Yeah. yeah, it looks good. It looks. See, I'm really glad too that they actually allowed Insomniac to like do the writing because they yeah, it's finally. Yeah, T.J. Fixman. Yeah, He's working on it. And yeah. he like and they finally. Man, I like I cannot encourage anybody listening to this who is is one of those people that are like, you know, oh, Ratchet and Clank is just mac and cheese. Ratchet and Clank, a crack. That was me. Time. I just said that. How dare yeah. you? <laughs> a crack in time isn't just macaroni and cheese. It's okay, like, yes, it's a it's, fantastic it, game. It's macaroni and cheese made with unpasteurized cheese that is made by the most delicate French artisan and filled with truffles and like morel mushrooms and it's And the magic. whole plate travels back in time to come to you. It's from the future. It's future it's, mac and cheese. Right. There you go. Right. Yeah. I like I it's such a shame because I feel like a crack in time is in part responsible for what broke the series because it is like the evolutionary apex of what a Ratchet and Clank game could be. And they turned around and they were like, how are they going to follow this up? And they made that four-player co-op one, which is... All like, for all or all, one? Or all, 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 for for one. all for one. And it's a disaster. Right. That game is a disaster. And then, like, it, you know, it's sold appropriately for a disaster. And then, you know, what did we get? Into the Nexus a couple of years after that? Into the Nexus is pretty good, though. It's, In- it's very... It's a small-scale... Game and it, I think it only cost twenty dollars, but it was it was right. pretty good. But that's the issue. They, they they like being like, well, we made this small scale co op thing that nobody really wanted, and now we're going to make this other small scale thing. It just sort of diminished and diminished and diminished. I'm really glad that now there's going to be this movie and this big beautiful remake of the original. I think it'll be cool. Also, Crack in Time, greatest vocal performance by Nolan North in any game. I'll put that out there. Wow. But, so I like Nolan North and Deadpool a lot. Oh, I haven't played Deadpool. Yeah, he's he's Deadpool in the fighting games, the the Capcom Marvel's oh. Capcom games. But he's he, the Deadpool game, he is genuinely funny in that. And that game is pretty funny. It's not the best action video game that you'll play. But they just they just did an HD re-release of that. You should you should check it out if you like Deadpool as a character. So, speaking of kick-ass writing in games, the thing mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. makes Psychonauts 2 so deeply exciting is the fact that they do have Eric Wolpaw back. And Eric Wolpaw, if, if that is a name unfamiliar to you listeners, Eric Wolpaw is the writer of Portal 2. Uh, he is the, the writer of many very funny things in video games, and he is the man who single-handedly conceived of the Milkman level in the original Psychonauts. And... My question for you two, do you guys have faith that Eric Wolpaw can can successfully overcome that like enormous, enormous expectation set by the milkman level? Can he make something well, like not surpass it, but like can he successfully get people to forget about it enough to play this game with open eyes? Uh, wow. <laughs> It's tough, it's tough right? because 
because I mean the level is genius. It's just genius, and the genius compounds with time. Yeah, you know, as for every single year, there isn't something as good as the milkman level. The milkman level gets a little better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, can he? Will he bring excellence? Yeah, I think that's pretty easy to, to say. You know, he's going to bring he's going to bring the goods. I did something terrible to Eric Walpole once. Uh, I asked him. I, I there was a GDC. Uh, let me see what what year was this? Two thousand eight. GDC two thousand eight. Wow, that's a long time ago. <laughs> the Game Developers Conference two thousand eight. I, I went around and I spoke to various adventure game designers and I gave them a puzzle, a typical. Oh, that's game puzzle. awesome! I love it. Um, I would say what the puzzle was, and then I would give them what they have in their inventory, and then they were like supposed to give me an answer of like how they would solve the puzzle. <clears throat> and the puzzle is you're standing in front of a cave. Mm-hmm. The goal is to get inside the cave, taking care to foil the ferocious robot bear guarding the entrance first. In your inventory, you have a perforated parasol, a rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle, <laughs> of course, a sealed manila envelope, mm-hmm. and a miniature macaroni Tim Schafer statue. <laughs> so, and this is what Wolpaw said. How is the pulley attached to the rubber chicken? See, this is why I hate adventure games. I think you're expecting a joke answer, and I'm actually trying to figure it out. Okay, type quit. That's what I would do. Go to the menu and type quit. <laughs> that was it. I love this guy. <laughs> I'm trying to actually figure it out, too. I was going to say, were yeah. you just going for a joke answer, or is there is there a way to do it? Uh, well, I gave absolutely no direction whatsoever, but I did it with uh, Ron Gilbert, uh, Steve Purcell, uh, Mike Stemley, who worked on some of the Sam Max games, mm-hmm. uh, Ragnar Tornquist, who did The Longest Journey, oh. uh, and Tim Schafer, uh, which is a multi-page thing. <laughs> All right. I, uh, so my first thing would be I would open the envelope. Well, yeah, obviously. Uh, naturally. You open yeah. the envelope first. And hopefully I would find punch cards that I could feed into the robot bear to rewrite his programming so that we were best <clears throat> friends. And then he would make a nice porridge, and then he w- we would go into the cave and eat it. Right? No? Oh, no, totally. <laughs> I'll tell you the other one. So Steve Purcell, is, uh, he's the creator of Sam and Max, and I believe he currently works at Pixar. Um, he said, I'd probably just eat the Tim Schafer macaroni, and... Uh, and so then I asked, what did that accomplish exactly? You were hungry? And he says, well, the only thing that could be more delicious than macaroni is macaroni shaped like Tim. So after that, I would probably turn the computer off and go outside. Um, to which I said, so you solved the puzzle by solving the larger meta puzzle around it. And then he said, did you just say meta puzzle? Did you say meta puzzle out loud and mean it? Here's a guy that says meta puzzle in conversation with conviction. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, that, that is adventure pretty games, awesome. they're fantastic. <laughs> um, and I just love the, the bizarre logic that you need to get through them. I'm actually trying to think, like, if... Are you still I, on this puzzle? No, I'm wondering, I'm wondering <laughs> if Psychonauts 2 is going to maintain... Because what I... Like, I think about, you know, you, you were saying, Susan, that the, the sort of genius of the Milkman level is compounded the more time mm-hmm. goes by. Because every part of it is in perfect balance. Like, everything that the game does is done perfectly there. And it's not just, like, the platforming is great. Like, jumping over all the broken roads feels really good. You have to use all of the psychic powers Mm -hmm. that are, like, active. But it also nails, like, the slight adventure 
yeah. feel of you know that that's inherent in that game of like explore these places you have to find these certain things in this order and i like i really hope like that psychonauts 2 isn't just like oh right well we made sure to make a smoother playing platformer like i wanted to still have those interesting adventure elements i really hope i really hope it's there i really well, hope the th- it i mean pulls it off the games that double fine makes as opposed to simply publishes are never short on on ideas. They're never short on creativity. That's not their problem. Their problems lie in other areas. So I think that that Psychonauts 2, assuming you know there's no there's no wackiness with the development, uh, I think we will come out with something that we will enjoy. Will we enjoy it to the level that we enjoy Psychonauts? Probably not. Because just because Psychonauts is a capital A capital T thing. You know, yeah. people have tattoos yeah. of psychonauts. Yeah. So, you know, like, but I don't, I, I don't think that should be held against psychonauts too. Yeah, and I think it, this game is being developed in a way that's, to some degree, in a bubble or isolated from typical game development, in that it doesn't really have to appeal to everyone ever. Yeah, right? it doesn't like have to like shift three. Like when, as soon copies. as you get crowdfunding in there and you have sort of a, a kind of plan to cater to fans, that's yeah that's going to change the way the game comes out. It's not going to be like compromised to the point where it's like, right. it's a, it's an open world now and there's a leveling system and you craft things for your, for your Raz outfit, which is customizable. <laughs> it's not going to be, you know? it's not going to be uh, focus grouped to death. Yes. Yeah. Which is, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. True, true, true. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting that, that, that we'll be looking at this as a, as a sort of return to form for something that's been gone for a very, very long time. Just like Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, we're talking about Star Wars. Uh, right right back w- to Jack U. The, <laughs> the steamy desert planet. Uh, I, <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, there's a lot of sand there, so be careful. Um, I hate sand. I, <laughs> I will not continue the quote. <laughs> we know it too well. Yeah, we do. But... I, we haven't, the three of us have not had a chance to talk about Star Wars that much. No, that's but, true. But uh, I don't want to go into review territory. It's not that kind of show. So just, just tell me about one thing that, that really sort of spoke to you in the movie. And it can be a good or a bad thing. Susan. Oh, well, obviously I'm going to go right to Rey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a girl who saw the original Star Wars in the movie theater... Um, Ray saw Star Wars in the movie. Yes, she looks amazing for her age. No, I mean I. When you rewatch Star Wars, the original trilogy, there are no women in it. You got Princess Leia, Mm -hmm. and like a chick working a microphone. Like yeah, exactly. There's like three women in the entire. I think there's. I think it's 63 seconds of dialogue from any women that aren't Princess Leia in the entire trilogy. Why you got to diminish the contribution of Cy Snoodles? Okay. why? Come on. I love me some tonight. I think everyone <laughs> wants her contributions to be diminished. No, no, no. Only, only Especially in the, in, the, in the special edition. Yeah. But I mean. No, that is not. I refuse to recognize that as size noodles. Yeah, no, that, that doesn't is. exist. That doesn't exist. No, stop it. Um, so it was really great to have a, a character. And there, there's lots of women all over the movie. Oh, but, this Twilight girl gets eaten by the rancor. Oh, yeah. Um, but Ray is. She's relatable. Uh, she's, a, you know, just she's a really great character. She's not a great character for girls. She's a great character, period, at the end. 
right? Like boys will like her, girls are like her. It's just, she's just a wonderful hero. But um, I freaking love Kylo Ren. Oh my God. I love him so much. He is such a great villain because here's the thing. You're actually, you're going to be the bad guy in the next trilogy with his melted mask. (laughs) You're going to be that person. That's how much you like Kylo Ren. That's how much I love Kylo Ren. So people are, are 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 upset because he's he's you know he's peevish and he's petty and he's sullen and those are the people who grow up to be evil. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. perfect. He's and he's scary. Like, he is. He's a, he's a petulant asshole yep. who is when Who's he powerful. has one of his whiny wine fests will kill you. Like yeah. that. Oh man. Susan, did I, I think I shared with you after we both saw the movie my theory about how J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy directed uh, Adam Driver in his performance of Kylo oh, Ren. Oh, I'm not sure you did. All right, I have a theory about this. Okay. I, I, I think they took Adam Driver after they cast him as Kylo Ren and they went to a secure location with mm-hmm. no windows. It's like the house from Ex Machina, if you guys have seen that movie. Yes. Like yeah. Deep in the mountains. And they, they're going to leave movie. him there alone. And he's not allowed to leave this room where Attack of the Clones and Revenge oh. of the Sith are playing on nonstop loop. And they said, here is how you're going to do this character. Look at that guy and think, how do I make this not suck? Yeah, exactly. Like... That is Kylo Ren, as he is performed in The Force Awakens, is everything in my head for what I pictured Anakin Skywalker to be as a young man. Like, filled with power, dangerously proud, and constantly under, you know, like, constantly threatening to use that power to control others. Yeah, yeah. See, this is, and that's why uh, I think you're spot on about that, is because, like, one of the things that always bothered me about the prequel trilogy, why would Padme be attracted to this man? Right? <laughs> Seriously. I, why? I get why she'd be into Kylo Ren. Like, yeah, he's, he's not really balanced, but he is. There is something undeniably appealing about him. But much like Voss in uh, Far Cry 3, same kind of deal. Like, you let get me. it. Like, you know you should be nowhere near this man. <laughs> Susan, but, let, me, hmm. let me tell you my success with the ladies. Is <laughs> every, every single time I've walked up to a woman and asked A, if she was an angel, and B, <laughs> told her that she's grown more beautiful that is oh, that always <laughs> ah, that never sends you straight to the freaking friend zone for creeps wow. that never that never happens <laughs> ever <laughs> I just want to point out again that Anthony's wife is extremely attractive oh she, like yeah and brilliant yeah, yeah. she's hot and yeah. smart yeah. Like 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 her brain is the hottest thing in the entire world. It just so happens that her body goes with it. That's I actually am, a symptom of meningitis. You I am check that. <laughs> <laughs> No. What did, what, did you, what did you really enjoy about it, Ludwig? Huh. Um If I had to put my finger on it, I I liked how all everything that I 
expected going into the film and everything that I think is reflective of a new hope mm-hmm. got a an interesting twist. Mm, yeah. Like I I think I think so when you talk about Ray, I think people are very quick to say, well, it's just the Luke Skywalker role. No. Which annoys me because it's not like he doesn't have this God given right to being the protagonist. It's like we're not why why is Ray a female version of him? Like why? Why is that even a thing? Why can't she be her own character? Yeah. And it makes it makes it, it makes the movie read completely differently to me. Because number one, I find it more believable that these different kinds of people are in this this galaxy. Whereas Star Wars is feels unusually sterile sometimes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Super white. Yep. Like that's that's this one. And I and, and I know like you there, there's that impulse to defend the movie because you want it to be perfect, but the especially the older ones, but you know that's Oh no, they're they're not very good. <laughs> like, but they have issues. Like, they have issues. They do. Like, you just oh, have to oh admit God, it. Yeah, Star Wars and I, is kind of terrible in a lot of I ways. Abs- I absolutely love the new characters. I love them. Love them. I cannot wait to see more movies of them. Yep. To the point where I am okay with not even having the original cast members. As cool as it is, yes, bringing them back. Honestly, they need yeah. to. Like, as a bridging device. Like, you know, here's we're yes. handing off. Like, that's super cool. Love it. But as like within a few minutes of spending time with each of the new characters, Poe, Finn, and Ray, I'm like, yes, I'm aboard. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's do new Star Wars. Forget yeah. the other stuff. Yeah, I agree. You, you, you guys are in. You guys are cool enough to be in the club. You're my new best friends. And like, like, like that kind of approach. That, that's how well it was handled. I like in in terms of like a link, like to like maintain that like that consistent connection to the originals for the people that need that. I freaking love that, like, Rey and Chewbacca are together now. Like, I love that Mm. Chewbacca's just like, you are cool, and I trust you, and I am on board with you and I taking over this ship together. Yeah, the the only thing that I don't like about the movie is the one time where A New Hope is uh, sort of resurfaced in some way for, like, the new version, for the remix, and there isn't a twist. Like, I don't think... Uh, Starkiller Base is a twist. Oh, on yeah. on, ex- on the ex- like I feel like that plays out too similarly to the point where it's distracting, and I feel like it's not uh, like it could have been ameliorated I, somehow. I I don't see what I what I love about this movie so much, and like everybody's saying, <clears throat> oh look at, at how it's exactly like a New Hope, and <sighs> so I don't think it's exactly like a New Hope. I just think like that that part to me was. It didn't follow the pattern that I had seen of like every other thing being sort of a big change. See, what excites me so much about Star Keller Base and like the way it's implemented in the movie is that it's not the primary threat. It's not even mm. the biggest threat of mm. the First Order. Like, I love that when they're confronted, like there's like a moment where everybody they're they're in like the the base. They're in the Resistance's base, and they bring up the plans, and they're like, this is the Death Star, and this is the Starkiller base. And there's a moment where everybody's like, gasp! But then Han Solo's just like, yeah, so it's big! How do we blow it up? You can always blow it up. And the the dismissal of that as what our primary concern is, because like the story immediately goes to a place where our primary concern is rescuing Rey and unspo- like unspooling... <clears throat> the threat of Kylo Ren and uh, <laughs> hilarious hologram monster. I mean, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. They still use for good things. Like, I also like just the the, some, the, the the visual of it getting darker. Yeah. When it's about to fire. Yeah. Like, 
like that's that's kind of neat um but it's just like the using that as a climax when you already have a really good climax in the forest of the film like and that that scene is fantastic oh my god that seems you know like that to me is like that i would have i wish that had given had been given some more room to breathe uh in the same way that i wish the 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 central death in the movie had been given a little bit more time to breathe yo did you guys realize because that that one it's not even that like it doesn't hit you that hard until you see chewy being upset that that was when i was like ah don't want to see this oh so heartbreaking now i'm upset the shot the shot that destroys me is the shot when Ray is like rescued in the forest and there's a shot of Chewbacca piloting the Millennium Falcon by himself. Mm. And like like that to me is just like this quick hit of visual storytelling that speaks so much. Like that's the moment where like the impact of that loss breathes for me. It's, oh man, so cool. And but like, it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do for yeah. the movie. Oh, for absolutely. Sure, yeah. Who's uh, so Susan? Your favorite new character is Ray. Yeah. Also, can we talk about BB-8 and how he's the cutest? He is the cutest. He is the cutest. I don't know. Actually, I I love Ray. I love Kylo Ren. I just yeah. I, I think I, as a villain, I think Kylo Ren is amazing. Just really, really good. Yeah, Luddy. Who's your favorite new character? Uh, uh Captain Phasma. No, just kidding. <laughs> Somebody I like please. her, but she, she's clearly going to be more. Right. She's going to be a yeah. bigger deal later. On. Right, exactly. She will be yeah. clearly be. She's neat, right? Because like, I love the actress. Like, oh uh, well, sure, yeah. She's great. Yeah, Gwendolyn Christie. She's awesome. Who, uh, in case the name rings a vague bell, she is Brienne of Tarth in mm-hmm. Game yeah. of Thrones. I, I, my theory is that she she is the Game of Thrones character, but she's hiding. Just hiding in the Star Wars movie so she doesn't <laughs> die in the show. That's smart. That's, that's what you have to resort to. Yeah. Go to a different universe. Um, I would probably say it's it's Ray as well, just because she seems I like I like her optimism and the fact that she is she makes some bad decisions in the movie too. Yeah, which yeah. makes make, me makes me believe in her more as a character. Yo, you know who I love? I like Vober Dand. Uh, did you guys catch who? Did you guys catch Vober Dand? Who's Voberdand? Voberdand is the furry guy who works with the Resistance. He's the one who's given oh all the commands God. when they're attacking the Starkiller base. He's this furry dude. And here, hold on. I'm going to send a picture to you two. Oh and if any, everybody, you'll, he's like sort of like hunched over. He like doesn't really have a neck. It's like his face is on the front of him. And he's right. just got like this awesome furry head. And I like that's that is my favorite thing in all Star Wars movies is that character who you see for two seconds and you're like, who the hell was that? What is like Lobot in Empire Strikes Back? Like mm-hmm. every now and again, like it looks like Lando Calrissian's best friend is a bald guy with some kind of weird computer on his head and he wears disco clothes. What's his deal? <laughs> and I just I love like this furry dude. Who's like clearly good at his job? Like he's doing like it's like an Aaron Sorkin shot when he's working <laughs> in the Resistance base, and it's just like Vober Dan's like, "Give me camera three, X-wing fighters over here." I'm like, "That's that guy. He's my guy." I like uh, I like Maz Kanata as well, but I wish that she had been she had not been a creature of some kind. Oh man, I kind of I... just wanted to see Laputa Nyong'o. Yeah. Wearing like a super cool robe or something. I'm with you there. I love that character, and she has my favorite line in the entire movie, which is, Where's, Where's my, my boyfriend? boyfriend? 
Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that Wookiee. Uh, actually, uh, do you guys? Actually, love... I like Poe Dameron the most. I'm gonna say, I just oh, changed my mind. So I don't get good. it. I don't get oh, it. Oh, you don't get it? I don't get it. I don't. The the okay. There are three three He's... big sensations about this movie that I simply don't get. One right. is Poe Dameron. I mean, although I, I I in in talking to people about it, what they're responding to is that he's kind. Like he accepts Finn immediately. He's not. He's a. Har- but he, he's he's like a, a, a nice little bit of arrogant too. Like his first exchange with Kylo Ren is pretty funny. Yeah, like he's. But he's not snarky. You know, he's not the typical yeah, yeah, yeah. version of hero that we've been given for God knows how long. Who's all like one-liners and and stuff like that. He's a very genuine uh, person who you know he embraces Finn right away. Like okay, like we're pals. And people are responding to that, and especially men are responding to that really really strongly and i think part of why he's become such a thing besides the fact that he's really good looking yeah. is that uh you know men are really happy to see someone likable like that captain america thing like they're just actually that nice a dude but is also a hero i think there so so okay there's there's that i don't get it but okay I don't, understand people, I don't understand people flipping out over I have an important question though for you Susan. what what hit me do you think he looks better in star wars or Ex Machina? Ooh. Star Wars. Ex, Ex Machina. I'm with Susan on this one. Yeah. Oh, he's so creepy in Ex Machina. He's <laughs> creepy in the very first second. I like, know. he looks and like, I, oh man. That's Susan, part of the appeal. I'm not going to lie. Susan. <laughs> yeah. But like, back me I up on this. I clearly have a type, so. He's, he's like, he's every douchey guy you see in Soho in New York City. Yes. But like, like boiled into one smarm pocket. Yeah, like on on the smarm? counterpoint, nice beard. True. Yeah, it is a that beard is powerful, and I will give it up. The dance sequence in Ex Machina is like I'm like like maybe that's it. Maybe it is just like raw male jealousy. Where I sit there and I'm like, you sexy bastard. See, that's... Go, that's, go yeah. to hell. Like, he's just... He's like pheromone central is, is the thing. Um, I don't understand all the hype over Phasma. I think she's... I mean, it's clearly a neat character, but it's a... Something's going to happen later. Like, she doesn't do anything in the movie. I think it's just like the desire to see Gwendolyn Christie be a badass. In, yeah. Okay. In Star Wars. Like, I mean, that getting, I get. It's the Boba Fett thing. It's like people uh, want well, her to be the next Boba Fett. Well, I don't understand the Boba Fett thing either. And then... Uh, 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 TR8R. I don't like. I think. Oh yeah, that I didn't get it. I don't. Okay, so you know the the stormtrooper with the stupid ass wavy baton taser thing who calls Finn a traitor. Oh, the lightsaber fight. The lightsaber yes, fight. Yes, guy. yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People get, freaking uh, love him. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. 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 That's a thing. That's a thing. That's a capital T thing. Oh. And I don't get it. I, I I'm mean, like, he's he's. I mean, he's a stormtrooper. I like Daniel Craig's stormtrooper more. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, well, no. Okay, so uh, TR8R. That's not his real name. Um, but he has a backstory with Finn. Like, there's it's official canon. He has a backstory with Finn, and that is really neat. But that's not in the movie. Right. Right. So I feel like all of there there are lots of things in this movie where like they put it in and so it's like well we need we need things that could be explained that's not important enough for the sequel but enough to right. sell a comic book series or a right. book. So yeah. why right. does C3PO have a red arm? That'll be a novel. Oh why? no, that's that was supposed to be there actually is a thing 
there. There was supposed to be a single issue, a special issue of the Star Wars comic See? that Marvel publishes, and it was gonna be it was gonna like come out the week of the movie to explain C three PO's red arm. The, how did Maz get the lightsaber? Oh, yep. that'll be three novels. Yep. That was yeah. supposed yeah, to be in the movie. That was cut from the movie. How how Maz gets the lightsaber. The the very beginning of the original beginning of the movie, according to the script, was going to be uh, the the saber and Luke's hand <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. being being recovered. Okay. That's right. uh, that, that is that rumor turned they changed out to that be true. for the best. Yeah, because yeah, um, we don't need to start a kids movie that way. <sighs> all of, it's too dead space. All yeah. of the cuts, all of the cuts that they made to the movie mm-hmm. uh, that I've heard about are great. Like they they made all the only one I wish they could have uh, had at least one establishing expository moment with the Republic and um, the the young woman who dies when uh, not Coruscant gets blown up because that isn't Coruscant it's another place right. and they show her for like two seconds and and that was a character who there was a scene of dialogue between her and Carrie Fisher establishing sort of her representative on it, within the Republic and the Resistance's relationship with it and, you know, the way the sort of galaxy perceives the threat of the First Order. I wish that had been there, but I don't know where you put it because it's not... The story's not about that. It's about right, Rey right, and Finn. Right. Um, and I also... The, the one scene that is in... I think it's still in the novel uh, that they... I'm not sure if they filmed it. It was in the shooting script, but the um, the creepy fat guy who runs the encampment where Uncar plot Uncar plot he shows up at Maz Kanata's bar and like accosts Ray and he's like, "Give me my ship back! Like you stole my ship!" And like nobody nobody gets away from me, and she's like, "Get off of me!" and Chewbacca walks up and rips his arm off. I'm glad they didn't put that in. Me too. It's a little like, yes, we've been teased with the idea of uh, yeah. of Chewbacca ripping arms off uh, for all these years. That's like the first thing we learn about him <laughs> from <Han> Solo <laughs> is he's a guy who rips arms off. But like, man, that would have been... Like really extreme in the middle of all. I that. prefer the idea of like him not doing that oh, and yeah. just making that up to scare people. Yeah, that, yeah. I prefer that. Um, by the way, I love how they introduced the Millennium Falcon. Oh, oh yeah, that so, was remember hilarious. you have to say Falcon. You can't say Falcon. No, it's Falcon. Fal- I can't. It's I can't say Falcon. No, because it's not. It's the Falcon. Can I say? I mean, it's like I an off-screen Lara? debut, which is great. No, you can't can say, say Lara either. Can I say Lara? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> So, so Star Wars: The Force Awakens. This may, this is not going to surprise you, in the slightest. But it is the number one movie in the U in the North America uh, North American market, ever. Yes. Yeah. It it is number one. It is not number one globally though. Oh. Um. It is yes. behind Jurassic World. Oh God. Which let's let's work on fixing that, people. <sighs> Because yeah, Anthony and I we're on the same page. We both loathe Jurassic World. I, I almost hate left. Hate it. I, I, I almost walked out of the theater. I, ugh, that that movie. That's your episode nine director right there. Oh God! Oof. And like you know what? Well, okay, now here. <laughs> Go ahead. It's, it's got merit. It has good things in it. I think they were trying to achieve 
the impossible, honestly. Because I don't know how you do a good Jurassic Park movie at this point. Because really, you know what I mean? Like, really, you started the the park up again. You're freaking well. I think wrong. like Star Wars is a good example, right? Like, it's I think I think that's where they went to that director because like, oh, you remixed mm. Jurassic Park, sort of. So, and that's kind of what we're doing with this new Star Wars movie. So you'll be perfect. But I think J.J. Abrams did a much better job of. Yeah. yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. Problem. Also, like the the uh, uh, Owen character making weird sexual comments to the Claire character, not cool. Uh, uh, not sorry. cool. Man. Not cool. But anyway, I mean, the plot of that movie is just, it's just what if Jurassic Park, but there was a, something bigger than the T Rex. Yes. I what if Jurassic Park, but too much? I don't mm-hmm. know Colin Trevorrow. I'm sure that he is a very devoted and smart man who cares about art. Nobody, nobody makes a movie like Safety Not Guaranteed if they don't care about what they're doing. That said, Safety Not Guaranteed and Jurassic World are two of the most idiotic, emotionally confused, badly paced movies I have ever seen in the past few years. And it, like, I'm like, like it breaks my heart that they're like, wait, wait, wait. If we're going to do the third entry of a Star Wars trilogy, it needs to be paced really weird, and it needs to have confused emotional beats. Like a Tarzan noise from a swinging gorilla man, and then an emotional fight between father and son for the fate of the universe. We need to sandwich those two things together. Wait wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. So wait, Jurassic Park is the number one movie globally? No, no, it's number three. Oh, Oh, okay. We're going so like Star Wars is number four. Oh, okay. Right now, so then what's globally. number two? Number two is Titanic. Mm. Okay. Uh, and then we r- roll into another James Cameron joint, which is Avatar, oh, which is about two point seven billion dollars. I, d- I bank. can't. I don't. So I went. I went and I googled uh, what people think about Avatar. Okay. <laughs> because uh, I so I wrote a, I wrote the story on on uh, Star Wars being the number one in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and I made the mistake of putting it on Facebook with a pithy line that said, we finally corrected our Avatar mistake, everyone. Oh, dear. Because Avatar was the number one film in the U.S., and now we, I've, I've discovered that people feel really passionate about, um, about Avatar. How? What is there to feel <laughs> passionate about about that movie? Yeah. Yep. What? I mean, Good okay, I, I don't think it's a bad film. I think it's oh, a perfectly <laughs> serviceable, perfectly entertaining. You watch it, you're entertained for two hours or whatever it is, it's like three hours, and then you immediately forget anything happened and you go on with your life, and you're fine. What is there to feel passionately about in that movie? It's just, it's. I think it's like a, the, it was the perfect storm of 3D's a thing, mm-hmm. special effects, uh, performance captured people is a thing, mm. James Cameron's back, all this stuff. And I think it, just, it looked like a completely different kind of movie, which is why people wanted to see it. And right. like it was a movie that you took your parents to, like, hey, mom and dad, let's go check out a 3D movie. You want to see what, what 3D is like now? You know, that kind of thing. Right, yeah. Um, so here's, here's, a, here's a, a thread on Yelp. Oh dear. Okay. Was Avatar really that good? <laughs> dot dot dot. The best movie ever. And this is this is a common theme I'm seeing as people aren't asking, did you like the movie or was it good? The question is, was it really the best movie ever? <laughs> uh, and Huey writes, I mean, I saw it and I liked it no more than liked it, not loved it. I thought the graphics were very good. 
Oh God! <laughs> and the CG was outstanding. <laughs> so, so it's like a seven out of ten, is what you're saying. I just do not. I just do not think it was as good as a Titanic or Star Wars or Jaws or The Exorcist. I do not think it is the future. It will be like, wow, let's look at Avatar, one of the best movies ever. So, what do you think? In the meantime, what was your best movie ever candidate? One you personally just loved. Um, first comment in reply is, I also believe Titanic is the best movie ever. Oh my God. <laughs> Beaches. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, Rocky three. Rocky three. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, well. Everybody knows that the secret combination to anyone's heart is Mr. T hitting on Adrian, and then Bette Midler in a variety of weird bustiers. Oh uh, my god. Sing. Those oh. are the two. Mama things. Mia. <laughs> Followed but directly by this Yelper's account has been closed. <laughs> Yay! Avatar was all effects. That's largely true. Lots sure. of these movies suck. Yes, Avatar was one of the best. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna switch things up, and I'm gonna move over to this Yahoo Answers. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Oh, it was good, but not great. It was just a different version of Pocahontas, Dances with Wolves, etc. Special effects are what made the movie, yes. I'm pretty positive if Avatar wasn't in 3D and had the special effects about from about 10 years ago, the movie wouldn't have been as popular. The plot was weak and the characters were very underdeveloped. The lines were just so simple and unintelligent, but that's what it is. It's a simple, easy to follow, visually pleasing movie. I think that's hmm. entirely correct. Exactly. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. I don't, it, it's the typical conflation of popular with being good, right? Like, it's totally cool if you enjoy this movie. Sure. It's, it, there's absolutely nothing, no shame in saying it was a really cool experience to see it in 3D and the effects were super cool and it was perfectly entertaining and I really enjoyed it. There's no shame in that. Saying it's the best movie ever made, you are smoking crack. Yeah. I wouldn't say that about my favorite movie of all time. I wouldn't say that about Star Wars, you know? Yeah, like, I, 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 like, okay. Also, this person says it was awesome. You're wrong. All right. Wow. I, I, here, for, for anybody that says Avatar is the best movie ever made, my question to them is... If they mean the M. Night Shyamalan movie, yeah. walk away. Oh, Jesus. Walk away. Yeah, that's your first question. Is Avatar the movie where somebody uses the word unobtainium? <laughs> Did they not use unobtainium in one of the Spider-Man movies? I need Wait, to look what? I'm looking this up because I feel no, like, I, I feel like, I, I feel like un- there are, there's more than one recent movie that used the word unobtainium. I like unobtainium. Like here is no, no. Uh, according, yeah, un- unobtainium. Let's see, science. Well, you look that up. I have the many reasons why I love Avatar. From it's the Avatar shit. Wiki, the official Avatar Wiki. Oh my god. Um, its genre is what I like the most science fiction with aliens or extraterrestrials, spaceships, robots, futuristic elements, futuristic advanced technology, journeys to other planets, journeys through the space, the galaxy and the universe, contact and relations with aliens, etc. But besides, it has everything action, fantasy, adventure, romance, drama, humor, war with military contents and themes, etc. It's an awesome and very well made movie with an original, beautiful, epic, exciting, interesting, creative, imaginative, absorbing, deep, touching, perfect, and well thought 
thought-out and structured story, charged with action scenes and with epic and spectacular fights, wars and battles, love, dramatic and emotional scenes, interesting and cool things, etc. Rich in details with all its elements, components and designs. Very cool, beautiful and splendid. The universe in which the movie is set, the world of Pandora, the Navi, Ewa, the Navi lifestyle, ways, culture and religion, characters, creatures, flora, vehicles, weapons, clothing, ornaments, pieces... <laughs> Landscapes, the avatars, and the avatar program, etc., with great performances of actors, with an excellent, beautiful, emotional, sensational, and thrilling music for soundtrack, and more than just impressive, dazzling, and innovative special effects, which are accompanied by highly advanced and innovative technology that makes the movie visually and technically extraordinary and wonderful for the motion capture, especially face capture, computer animation, and 3D, among other things. All these things fascinate me so much. Moreover, it is everything, or almost everything, I want and can imagine in any movie, especially in a science fiction movie. And much more. I think it says it all. Oh, my God. I think it literally said it all. God. Okay, so here's something interesting I have learned about unobtainium. It is a legit engineering term. Really? It is, yes. It is a term for practical materials that exist but are really hard to get. Uh, for example, during the development of the SR-71 Blackbird spy plane, Lockheed engineers at the Skunk Works under uh, Clarence Johnson used unobtainium as a uh, basically a stand-in for titanium. So, yeah, See, unobtainium right. is, is shorthand in engineering or thought experiments for we need a material like, like, the, um, like in uh, Star Trek IV when they need clear aluminum. Oh, right. Yeah. Tra- yeah, counterpoint. Transparent aluminum. Transparent yeah. Counterpoint. Yeah. That doesn't make it not stupid. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. But I just, I had no idea. It, it, it is also used in the movie The Core. Ah, there we go. That was the one I was thinking the of. The Core. Wow. Which I love. I love that movie. I love <laughs> Deep it. Cut. I because love it's it. terrible? It, oh, it's bad. It's terrible. <laughs> I adore it. See, here's the thing. I love a lot of bad movies. And I'm not ashamed to admit that. And I'm not ashamed sure. to admit that they're bad. But yeah, I, unobtainium is a thing. That is interesting. That is yeah. that is interesting to find out that it's like rooted because that actually makes that makes Avatar make more sense because it does feel in many ways like a lot of James Cameron's movies. You know, like people are always talking about how George Lucas and and Star Wars in particular were the successors to nineteen uh, the, the serials, the, the mm-hmm. early the early post war serials that were twenty minutes long. I always like James Cameron's movies are so indebted to science fiction and horror <clears throat> from the late 1950s and early 1960s. Like, like the abyss. Where's that Battle Angel Alita movie? James oh, uh, you know he's no longer doing it. <laughs> uh, he's giving it to somebody else. Um, uh, so all of these things about Avatar, Anthony, uh, I, that that makes sense to me. Or is it because it's quote a movie full of love, messages, feelings, thoughts, sensations, emotions, virtues, beautiful things, spiritualism, Stop environmentalism, it. prodigies, surprises, Stop revelations, it. wonders, and riches, and with much moral, much goodness, purity, and benevolence, morality, deepness, no, <laughs> magic, no. intelligence, moral, imagination, amazed. Types of experience, colors, ideas, and concepts of good, peace, harmony, tranquility, paradise, balance, happiness, essence, will, decision, diplomacy, divinity, miracles, sacred things, oh blessing, perfection, equality, faith, <laughs> respect, pride, dignity, prosperity, no. justice, defense, and protection, salvation, redemption, heroism, freedom, this solidarity, serenity, union, and connection, <laughs> bond, relationship, learning, knowledge, wisdom, teaching, discovery, understanding, comprehension, compassion, help, support, reflection, care, etc., 
The person who wrote that. I'm not even like 30% of the way through this. I want, I want somebody so badly to show me that the person who wrote this had just taken like a bunch of Ambien and they didn't know that this was happening. <laughs> like, like they woke up. And, like, found the, the email that was like, your Yelp review has been posted. And, like, my Yelp review has been posted. Oh, no. This account has been closed. But wait, let me, I'm just going to read one more thing oh God, from this. Okay. It's the shortest one. Okay. That's not saying much, but okay. Combined with its merchandising, oh God. which also boosts its messages, its spirituality, its goodness, and its morale. Stop. In some articles, Stop. the movie becomes cooler, more wonderful, more beautiful, and more interesting than it already is. Stop it. No. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. No. The possibility to learn Navi language, or in other words, an alien language, which is one thing that really amuses me from Avatar, besides many others. Sorry, I cheated. I read another one. So, God. <laughs> this just popped in my head. Pop back in my head is is not Avatar, but to go back to Star Wars for a minute, it just popped in my head because we were talking about the final shot together yesterday, the three of us, uh, and that 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 spinning coda at the end of it. Wait, can we say spoilers? Can we say spoilers we for anybody have. that doesn't? So, Everyone yeah, in America has seen this movie three times, except me. I've only seen it once. But uh, let's go. So if you guys don't want to know what happens at the absolute end of the movie, like skip ahead a couple of minutes, I guess. It's it, bro, um, it's too late. I mean, we've spoiled. It's too late. Yeah, yeah. So, so like as like like as the camera is going whoa 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 around Luke Skywalker and Ray, uh, the first time I saw it, I really badly wanted Luke Skywalker to turn around. And be like, Amazon Prime, my ass. It's been like three days, and only now you're showing up with, wait a second. Oh, no. Oh, why are you handing me that? I was in the middle of writing my Yelp review for Avatar. <laughs> oh, light, I think, I don't know days, who, years. <laughs> who on our, our team said that all, all that final shot makes you think of his helicopter? But that is oh, completely, yeah. that's completely yeah. true. Like, it's just like, oh, you rented a helicopter, I guess, and <laughs> you wanted to make sure you used it. Okay. Like that, like it's, and it's the only part of that movie that feels very, we are making a movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it, too. I, I actually, I love the final scene. I, I was like, my, my, my thoughts went from, please, please don't have there be any dialogue in the scene. Just like have them look at each other. And an expression, and then cut away. That yeah. would be yes. perfect. Yes. And it's like, yes, they're doing it. Why is it still on screen? Why is it still going on? Okay, we get it. Okay, now there's a helicopter shot. Now, oh man, it just—it was almost perfect. Going. It was almost perfect. And going. And going. Like, yeah, like, that's like close, but no cigar. Very, very close, but not. No, you just—if you just cut three. <laughs> Maybe five seconds. I just keep be, thinking of ways better. to make that scene better, though. Like, so it's spinning and spinning, and then, like, right before it cuts out, you see Chewbacca running up to give him, like, a bear hug, and Luke's, like, trying <laughs> to avoid him. Like, no! And it's like, no, it's like everyone in the cast. Like, they all come one by one running out of the Millennium Falcon to, to come hug him. 
Like it's this long line of people and then they all face the ocean and they like line up next to each other, hold hands and take a bow. And then yeah. Boss Nat and then Boss Nas comes out. It should be like a Saturday Night Live Boss ending. Boss it should Nass be like Saturday Night Live. Holds up holds up his giant peace ball from the end of Phantom Menace and goes peace. <laughs> but bloody to your point. No, she be like she runs up to him. She runs up to him, and he's like he's one of those inflatable decoys from Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> <laughs> and he just says, "Kept you waiting, huh?" Yes. Oh yes. I love I love seeing people react in that game to uh, to decoys. It's amazing. I yeah. They get so I, angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we should talk about some video games. Video- uh, Anthony, have you ever fallen for a decoy in Metal Gear Solid Five? Oh, I have. Because I have. this is the thing that I didn't know when I was playing. I didn't know that the enemy soldiers can also use decoys. And yeah. when you look at them through your binoculars, they're marked and they appear just like enemies. So I was like, oh, shit, this guy just saw me. I have to kill him quickly. And then he's, he popped because he was a balloon. <laughs> well, there is, there, is a, there is a way... So uh, eventually you can go and have... Uh, you can have quiet pre-scout an area for you so enemies yes. will be all marked on the map i usually do that but i usually like look through the, the lens myself as well because i don't entirely trust it yeah so <laughs> and like when like if you have that maxed out and the same thing happens with your uh with your dog buddy uh you they they will not mark the inflatable guys yeah so like even was, at, like if it's at nighttime and like they're standing around a fire you're like Right. You become super careful because you think someone is not turning around. Yeah. Like they you want to sneak by them, but they're still looking your way. Or you and then you spend all this really time and shoot them. Yeah. And they're just a they're just a decoy. I like that you can fall for it. But there are decoys in a game that you will fall for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh, it's it's I definitely shot one by accident <laughs> and ruined an entire mission because everybody was like, Oh, there's a jerk shooting the Shooting the inflatable <laughs> decoy men. Yeah. Um, no. And you can send people out to blow up the uh, supply warehouse so that you can cut down on decoys on the field. Enemy decoys. Uh, what did you guys... So, Luddy, you played Metal Gear That's what Gear I've Solid. been playing. I've been playing a yeah. lot of Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, and using... I love the... I, love, I just love the decoys, man. Especially the speaking ones. <laughs> yeah. If you just like throw a bunch of them down, and there's like three snakes going, kept you waiting, huh? You're pretty good. Kept you waiting, huh? You're pretty good. <laughs> uh, You're extracting him? <laughs> that's Kaz, though. Have you gotten yeah, the hamburger storyline? No. Uh, uh, Susan, we were talking about this before. This You might not uh, be on board with this, but I, we find it highly amusing that there are so... As extravagant as Metal Gear Solid Five is, some of the things just have a couple of sound bites, mm-hmm. so you hear them a million times. And one of them is just like when you extract someone, Kaz will say, "You're bring- what was it? You're you're, ext- you're extracting him? him? Huh? He's coming too. He's coming too." Oh <laughs> and since you since you extract like thirty people, every it was like Kaz just learned to trust me. Okay, <laughs> yes, he is coming too. And it's so frustrating because you can turn off, like you have like. You have your 1980s Siri equivalent who, like, will, like, say the most annoying things in the world. Be like, it's about to rain. (laughs) Five seconds to that time it's going to rain. I'm already outside. You don't need to tell me. I'll be able to tell. But you can turn that off. You can turn off Snake's Siri 
but you can't turn off Kaz ranting things at you that are <laughs> inessential, which is a little bit of a bummer. You destroyed their AA. It wasn't part of the mission, but that'll punch a hole in their defenses. <laughs> uh, Susan, what did you play over the break? Uh, I switched between uh, The Witcher, which I got back into, and mm-hmm. uh, Lego Jurassic World. How did which that go? is delightful. Really? I, I picked it up because uh, Louise, we, we did our, uh, in addition to our doing our Games of the Year list, we did our favorites for stuff that did, wasn't, didn't make the, the Game of the Year list, but that we really, really enjoyed and wanted to let people know uh, we enjoyed. And Louise had that on her list. And so I thought I'd give it a shot. It is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Obviously, it helps if you really enjoy the Jurassic Park movies. Well, and I, re- I do really enjoy one and three. Two is really terrible. Um, <laughs> it's not good. It's so bad. Wait, uh, you think two is worse than three? I do, yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait, See, I, I think th- I would rank them... The other way around. Three is three. Three is my least favorite. No, one. see, I, 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 when uh, no. when they <clears throat> okay. So you've got the fight via gymnastics, right? Which I can't. Okay, but you also have the amazing trailer sequence. But then no. you have they uh. bring the T Rex to San Diego. Uh, and I, like the the beat of the T Rex drinking out of the family pool. Yeah, is like I can't. pretty funny, but no, I no. just I I can't. <laughs> I just. Bloody, Bloody. I would also prefer having Ian Malkin compared to Alan Grant. Let me let me mm. ask you a question. Okay, okay. How many movies let me live mm. my dream of seeing mm. William H Macy and Taya Leone dig for a cell phone <coughs> at a giant pile of feces? Uh, I don't think that's a dream worth having. Honestly, that I is, think you should get better dreams. Jurassic okay. Park three is the only okay. game that's, in town. <laughs> Jurassic Park three is the movie in which they know the dinosaur is getting close because they can hear the cell phone ringing inside its stomach, which is ringing yeah. inside its belly, right. which is yeah. stupid. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. No, here's the thing. Okay. So Absolutely funny. There are two. Also, it's the one where they negotiate for their lives with Velociraptors by blowing through through skulls. Oh no, that's right. dumb. No, I completely agree with that. Like they're I do. like they're fossilized ocarinas. Yeah. No, no, no. You're totally right. You're completely right. Let's be clear. I'm not saying uh, three is good. <clears throat> I'm just saying it's I just need you th- to say that it's the worst. No. No, two is, <laughs> two is the worst. Two is the worst. It's terrible. But here are two... Please email us at radioradar <laughs> at gamesradar.com <laughs> with your thoughts on the matter. Here are two important things you need to know about this game. One, the sk- you know how in Lego games each character has certain skills that other other Lego characters do not have. One yes. of the skills is the ability to dive into dinosaur poop. Yeah. That is one of the things you need to know. <laughs> Two, you get to play as dinosaurs, and yeah. the velociraptors can build things out of Lego. I love it. Makes I, sense. I, they can I open doors. So exactly. Why not? Yeah. So you're playing as a velociraptor, and you come up to the Lego pile, and you're just like, ladder. Do they, do they say hey, though? Hey! They don't say hey! hey. They do hey. not, sadly. <laughs> Susan, do, do we get, like, Lego Dennis Nedry? Is that an option? Yes. Oh, that's you can play. You, okay, so great. you can play as Dennis Nedry. You can play as Mr. DNA. Yes. You can play as Steven Spielberg. This game sounds awesome now. It is. It's really, really fun. And it was it was on sale during uh, it was on PSN uh, for 25 bucks. Totally worth it. Definitely recommend it. Oh, that's hmm. awesome! I, I'm I'm excited to try that then. I, I like. I see that I, coming. I, I like Lego games in passing, 
I always like I don't know if you guys ever experienced this, but I dreaded reviewing Lego games because they are built in a way to ex like you have to grind so much to unlock stuff later but, on. Well, it's a, okay. There's there's definitely two tiers of Lego games. There's the good yeah. ones and the bad ones. The good ones right. you you unlock enough playing through the first time that you could totally review it. Right. And then it's you go back if exactly. you want 100% it. The yeah. bad like, ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, you're you're totally like, right. I I wanted I wanted Lego uh Lord of the Rings to be great. I really wanted that game to be it really was really not. good. Yeah. And it's not. It's not. Same thing with uh um the Wii U one. The Wii U exclusive Undercover City Undercover. Oh, I never played that. It's really interesting. And like it's it's funny because the game like it has like a, a weird sort of like confidence. Like you see this team that's made all of these different games and they're like, oh wait, we can make our own thing. We don't have to be attached to a movie or a comic book anymore. And then the entire thing is just movie references. <laughs> like all like nonstop, like, like every single level is like another reference to a movie. And it's like Shawshank Redemption is parodied at one point. It's like, guys, weird choice for a Lego game. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, weird thing, weird thing. But like, a- as cool as it all is, it's really, really restrictive about the unlocks. Like, what you get access to in terms of vehicles and what you can only access by collecting the gold bricks and stuff. Oh, and it's okay. like unnecessarily drawing out the game. When it would be, like, this amazing thing if it was just about 10 hours long, but instead it's drawn out to, like, 30 to get access to all this stuff. And it's always it's always weird to see them struggle with that sort of balance. And it sounds like LEGO Jurassic World does a really nice job of giving you access to everything sort of up front. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very, very well balanced. There's tons of stuff to unlock. You don't have to unlock any of it. You, cool. you re- unless you want to 100% things. That's it. You will you will have access to everything you need to play the game and enjoy the game. And if you want 100% it, which is what I'm working on right now, that is lots of fun. There mm. there there is one uh, aspect that I don't enjoy. They've um, there's a race in every level. I don't love it, but I can see why kids would. So I'm cool right. with it. Uh, but yeah, to- totally enjoyed that. Um, man. I, I actually I could use something light. I I, I you will love the opportunity to play through the original Jurassic, Jurassic Park movie and yeah. see little Lego Ian Malcolm with his shirt wide open. Yes. It's just amazing. That sounds awesome. It is. It's great. Do you get to be one armed Samuel L. Jackson? No. Do you get to hold on to your butts? You, you <laughs> get to hold on to your butts. You do get to hold on to your butts. Ah. Uh. I yeah I um man I, I'll play that. That game. is such a weird scarcity. You know, I think about it in the original Jurassic Park where an arm just falls on yep on Ellie's shoulder and she's like, oh thank goodness it's oh there's nobody attached to this yeah. arm. Super weird, yeah. Uh man, <clears throat> um, do you guys remember the Jurassic Park game from Telltale? I, I remember there was play one. it. Yeah. Oh, it was not good, not good at all. I love the uh, I love the the Jurassic Park game for Sega Genesis where you get to be a rapper. Although the ending is bullshit though. The final level is bullshit. <laughs> the final level? The final When you we, like run on the skeleton and uh, like in the... And avoid Alan Grant's bombs. 
of yeah, yeah. his grenades. What? I like. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's like it's it's a uh, um, shall we say it takes some liberties of the see, source material see, in the yeah. way that only a game from that era would. Actually, the the ba- the greatest <clears throat> thing that dates that movie but remains awesome is uh, when you turn on your Genesis and there's the Sega logo at the bo- at the top. Oh, doesn't a little raptor come up and go? Rah! Yeah, and no, a T Rex head go- comes up oh. and he goes Sega. He's like Sega. Oh it's great. It's it's the best. It's oh, uh, do you guys have any New Year's Day rituals? By the way, I was going to ask about that and I forgot. Oh, New Year's Day, like, like I do this every New Year's? Yes. Uh, I, not particularly. I, I don't think I have any. Uh, New Year's is not a holiday that I have uh, big traditions with. Uh, we, we, we didn't get to do it this year, um, but yes, uh, we normally have tamales every New Year's Day for luck. That's, like Tex- that. that's a Texas thing. Okay, it sounds cooler than mine. Mine is to play Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, right. Right. The marble zone. You were talking about that. Yeah. Like for, I don't know what, what has changed, but this year I played Sonic the Hedgehog and I'm like, "Mm, this is not a good game. (laughs) What? (laughs) I mean, it is, it's fine. I can just hear. But in comparison, in comparison to Sonic 2. Oh, no. Sonic 2 is better. I feel like it's aging much worse than Sonic 2. Hmm. Um, but one of the issues is, yes, Marble Zone is incredibly terrible, and so is Labyrinth Zone. And I just complained to That was, like, the thing. That's why I picked up my phone to text yeah. <laughs> Man, Marble Zone, huh? Uh, Marble Zone is pretty rough. Marble Zone is pretty rough. The boss fight in Marble Zone is pretty good. I like that. Uh, Where, like, you have yeah. to dodge the, from one platform that's being set on fire to another. Yeah, no, I yes. like that. Nice. Yeah. Um, but I immediately roll over into Sonic 2, and I'm like, just that this, that game is so much better. And it's still really good. Yeah. So there is a good, there's a good ending to the story. See, I, I contend that Sonic games always have a second series of stages that are the least good in the game. Because Marble Zone is the one in Sonic 1, and, I, like, is it Chemical Plant? In Sonic 2. Uh, you don't like Chemical Plant? If the, I could just cut Chemical Plant out of Sonic oh, 2, it would like be one of my one. favorite games of all time. I hate that level. I hate it. <laughs> it's, um, it it's, I've been meaning to play uh, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which is the... Uh, if you buy the Sega Genesis collection on Steam, you can do the lock-on version. Nice. Remember that? Yeah, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. That's the way to play those games, because you could get all the Chaos Emeralds in Sonic 3... And you're yes. super Sonic, but then if you get all the Chaos Emeralds in the Sonic and Knuckles levels, then you become super duper, super duper Sonic, Sonic. <laughs> and you can get the secret ending. Uh, man, man, I don't know about you guys, but like, I, I love playing Sonic games, but ever since I played them for the very first time, I hate knowing that the Chaos Emeralds exist because I feel like I'm not beating the game if I don't get them. Right, and in right. the case of it's, Sonic Three and Knuckles, you're really not. Like, it's weird that they um, they became this weird story beat in yeah. every single like subsequent Sonic game. Like he always gets them at the end, and then you have to be supersonic in the final level. And they have to be like they, they're always couched in very very hard to access, inconsistent to access bonus stages that <clears throat> are impossible. Best and worst bonus stages in Sonic games. Uh, 
God. It, see... I think the first game's bonus stage is maybe the worst. I I don't know. The bonus stage is inside. Da, 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 <laughs> but at least, at least you can, like... And then you fall into a little peppermint. Te- yeah. You can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can tell what's happening. Like, is that what they are? Are they peppermints? No, they're not. They just look like peppermints. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's comprehensible. The you can, like, you can beat those stages because you know what the goal is. I in guess. the in the ones and two, like those stupid like t- like funnels that you have to run through, it it would literally be like trying to like bobsled on an Olympic level blindfolded. It is and, and like if you have tails with you, it's physically impossible to win. Like you can't get all the the chaos emeralds if because he's an tails. idiot. Yeah, because tails just constantly gets hit with the. Um, and like I know that like speedrunners and stuff can do it, but it's not for normal people. <laughs> I think the best ones are on Sonic CD when it's you're running around the <clears throat> sort of somewhat open. Oh yeah, area the Mario Kart You have, to, you have to jump through the no. It's like you have to jump through the UFOs. Yeah, you and jump you lose the UFOs. time um, if you touch the water. Yeah, that's those are cool. I think those are the best. I do like. I, Did you play the satin version of Sonic 3D Blast? That no. one had a good version of the running down the tunnels from Sonic 2 because they were fully 3D and like pretty fast. Yeah, no, I I have not ever played any version of Sonic 3D Blast. Mm-hmm. Wait, is Sonic 3D Blast the one that's isometric view? Yeah. Yes, and okay. it's on it's on it's on Genesis slash Mega Drive and. Uh, Sega Saturn. Yeah, I I and had it for the Saturn and I couldn't play it because the uh, checkerboard pattern of the floor yeah. literally made me ill. Wow! Because of the the viewpoint and how fast he moves and how fast it would go by, it made me sick, <clears> so <throat> I couldn't play it. It had way more colors on the Saturn version, so maybe that has something. It to might do have, that. yeah. It had three D three D special stages, and uh, it had the a CD soundtrack composed by Richard Jacques, who is a longtime Sega composer. He composed the soundtrack for that game in twenty three days. Why do I know this? Who knows? Yeah, why do you know why that? Why do you know that? That? Is some, that is some obscure knowledge right there. Hey, I need to. I get to do some deep cuts on here. Too, <laughs> so. uh, but I was I was gonna go into tunnels, musical tunnels, amplitude. It's it just came out for PS4. Um, it is a really good game. Very good game. Very 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 good game. Uh, man, so I never I never played Amplitude. Uh, back oh really? Two. This, wow, this is my okay. first time. Yeah. Had you played any of the Amplitude-like mm-hmm. harmonic games? So, like, I think I think Rock Band Unplugged is the the best version of that. This like is the, the sort of going jumping through tracks to activate them, then jumping to another track so that you can kind of hear the layers of the music build up. Never, never played Rock Band Unplugged. Never played Frequency. Oh. Uh, never played Amplitude. So this is my my very first one, uh, and I love it. I think it's really really cool. Uh, but I will say that I have the same problem in this that I have in every harmonics games, even Rock Band, where I get good at, like, sort of the the easy mode, mm. which in this is intermediate. Like, beginner is too easy. And then there's intermediate, which is, like, I can totally do it and, like, pretty much get through every song without a failure. Mm-hmm. But then kicking it up to advanced... <clears throat> is so hard and like it's bananas hard like i can't even get my head around how to press the buttons quickly enough to do the advanced versions of the songs you're too old for it well see but like i had the exact same problem with guitar hero 
10 years ago. I have okay. the exact same problem with Rock Band, where there's, like, the bridge between medium and hard is so vast gulf. and yeah. so immediate for me that I can't do it. And I always feel like I'm failing somehow when I'm doing it. I don't know if you... Uh, Susan, have you started playing Amplitude on no. your PS4 by no. any chance? Because when you do, you will see scores from the man Lucas Sullivan. Oh, I was just going to mention that. And he's he's young. That's his, that's That must be his only advantage. Lucas, it's it's got to be youth. Lucas's scores are crazy. They are crazy. Like, I, I, it's not just youth, Ludwig. He plays it's, on Extreme, I think. He plays on Extreme. Which well, you get a lot more points when you, when you just survive Extreme. Mm. Right. But the fact that he can survive is crazy. Yep, yep, yep. Man, yeah. So intense. Ben is so, a really so well-made game. What I like about it is that it's mostly original music, and like the right, campaign is, right. is structured like an album that you listen to, so you can finish the whole campaign in pretty lengthy sitting but like still one sitting uh and that's you're not getting all the songs that way there are a bunch of songs that you just choose as a quick play menu but it feels very satisfying to have music sort of kind of tell a story that leads into a climax like it gets a little harder and like the music gets a little more intense at the end and then you're done like that's that to me is like the ideal experience from these music and rhythm games uh, and you see it you see it happen with things like child of light and res too it's like there's a you it's like an album length game right That is, that is the, is an album-length game. Hard stop. <laughs> End of show. That's it. Wrap it up. Well, it has been going on for a while. It has, yeah, sure. No, I, we're so just we, tired. We, we can, we I'm can keeping end. that, by the way. That silence is not being <laughs> We're keeping we're the keeping silence. It. We're keeping, we're keeping all it. of it. I like this show being unvarnished. I am totally fine with that. I we're giving no we're giving everybody that. the the raw experience. I will tell you one little quick thing that I I played over the break. I, have I you ever told anyone a little quick thing? In- I have. That's I've a done, very valid point. I've done it before. I've done no, it once or twice. Like once in like 2012. Yeah, yeah. That one time I was drunk. No, that's that's not true. No, that's it's like my, drunk. Drunk no. Anthony just becomes glib. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I played very few games over the break because I, I really wanted the break to be like away from games in a lot of ways. Uh, but I did like, and like, that's the funny thing. Like I, I consider beating two games to be like taking a break from games. I replayed Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion. Oh, Metroid uh, Fusion's good. And yeah, and they're both, they're both great. And they're both, like, they're so different. It's it's very interesting to play them back-to-back still and see how very different they are. I, I like what Fusion does, even though it falls in, like, the even-numbered Metroid games are always more linear. Because Metroid 2 for Game Boy was very much the same way. You do one thing, then you do the next, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But Super Metroid, I... Amplitude got me thinking about it because I think about the challenges you set for yourself when you play video games. And like like for me, if I'm going to really, really enjoy something, usually it's I want to just play it, see what it has, and get to the end. But then there are other games where I, like in my head, set an arbitrary goal on top of it. With Sonic, it's like I can't enjoy this unless I get all the Chaos Emeralds. 
and getting all the Chaos Emeralds is infuriating. Amplitude, this is a really good game, but I can't enjoy this unless I'm playing it at, like, a respectable difficulty. And <laughs> Metroid... Like, I wonder if Metroid is what ingrained that into me. It's like, if I'm not seeing the most Samus at the end, that I'm doing it wrong. Uh... And I guess, like, that comes from, like, playing the original and wanting to get, like, to get to see her face. Because that was the cool thing. And over over the break, for the very first time, I beat Super Metroid in the time limit for Samus to appear, like, in her leotard. Like, to, like, appear sans armor. And I was like, that was pretty cool, being doing that. And then I was like, why is that... The, the hurdle that I set for myself for for getting the most out of this game. It's cool to try and beat those games quickly, though, rather than sort of ponderously exploring them, because it adds to this feeling of there being, like, a threat that you have to get past. Uh, if anybody has a Wii U and is like, oh, wait, I bought a Wii U, and there are no... There will never be another new game for Wii U ever again. Uh, and you've really wanted to fill it out, you can get pretty much every Metroid game with the exception of two and zero mission on there now. And you should go play those. They're very good. I enjoy a good Metroid game. Yeah. Metroid Prime is probably my favorite one. Metroid Prime, Metroid Prime is a perfect game, I think. I love that game. Uh, I could man it takes i thought that was gonna be a quick thing yeah that was it that was it that was that was okay. the super metric right, right, that was right. it that was the whole thing the whole shebang and remember to email us at radio radar at gamesradar.com to weigh in on the great jurassic park 2 versus jurassic park 3 debate it's definitely one worth having and not a waste of your time not at all no this is important super important and uh follow us on twitter and facebook on Twitter, it's just twitter.com slash gamesradar, and it's facebook.com slash gamesradarplus. P-L-U-S. P-L-U-S. And you can catch us on uh, on twitch.tv slash gamesradar. If you're listening to this right after it went up, we have really exciting shows for our new schedule uh, next week. We're going to be on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. And uh, on Tuesday, we're going to have on the people from Fear Axis talking to us about XCOM 2. We're oh, Fear Axis. Fear Axis. Uh, that's not like Fear Axis. That's what I thought. Like I'm like, Fear, fear Axis. Yeah. Who are they? Fear Axis. I, I said it weird. I apologize for that. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, well, they're, they're going to be in the studio with us uh, playing XCOM 2. That's going to be really cool. And then on Thursday, we're going to have uh, the cats from Stoic who made Banner Saga on to talk about... Banner Saga 2, which is almost done, and to talk about the new PS4 version of Banner Saga. It's also going to be the Xbox One. Oh, Xbox One as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very so. cool game if you guys like tactics, RPGs, and Vikings. And the week after that. And the week after that. We have more guests. Oh, that I know. I I don't want to. We're still confirming the guests for the week after that. Oh, because that's a good one. That's yeah, good. we're we're confirming. I'm sure guests. it'll be fine. Yes, uh, <laughs> until we have 100 percent confirmation. I don't you should commit to it anymore. now. Then then they'll have to come on. Then they'll have to come on. No, we're 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 confirming the guests for the week after that. 
Uh, yeah. We will. Here, here's this is a incredibly guess. interesting radio we've got going on here, guys. Right? Like, exactly. What about the next best. week? Oh, I don't know. Well, it'll be great. Well, yes! I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, just stop it already. Riveting. <laughs> <laughs>